0: Welcome to Rochambeau, the podcast about unique competitions and the extraordinary competitors that make them happen. I'm Ted.
1: And I am Kim. And thanks so much for joining us, guys. But
0: now, today's episode The Shy Ditterod.
2: You know, oh look, there's there's some cows. Oh, there's the first gnome team that registered. Oh look, there's the second gnome <laughs> team that registered. Kermit and Elmo and Cookie Monster. The Titanic, and that was two carts, the HMS Tits and the Anik.
3: There's clowns, there's bumblebees, there's circus performers. We were a pirate ship.
2: Five Richard Simmons.
3: The dragon with
4: wings that actually like flapped up and down.
1: Oh look, there's five Twinkies. Chicago's own Shy Diderod, a takeoff, obviously,
0: from the name on. I Diderod. That's
1: right. The Alaskan dog sled race, right? This
0: takes place in Nome, Alaska, possibly. Yes. You just told me.
1: It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. The Shy Diderot takes place every first weekend in March. Uh, March 2nd is when it's happening this year. Mm -hmm. And it is actually a five mile long race through Chicago of shopping carts. What? That's right.
0: And I take it they decorate the shopping carts.
1: Oh, they're decorated. Amazing. Amazingly
0: amazing well very nicely done
1: <laughs> they're really decorated well <laughs> and the carts take on themes and the contestants take on costumes and wow. it all works together to be a spectacular sight to see
0: this is perfect for us
1: no doubt yeah. so we'll start out and we will talk to Devin
0: Devin Breen he's the co-founder and president of the Shy didrod Foundation
2: my name is Devin Breen uh, the Shy didrod is A charitable, costumed, satirical, shopping cart race, mobile food drive, bar crawl that takes place every spring, the first Saturday in March, in the downtown city of Chicago. I've been doing the event since 2006. I'm currently the president and (laughs) musher-in-chief.
1: Well, how on earth did this come to be?
2: I love that question. So. There's an event which of which we are not affiliated with, but borrow heavily from um, uh, from a value and principles perspective that events called Burning Man Uh, Burning Man is an annual uh, art event in um, Nevada, uh, which I first went to uh, in 2005 and I came back from Burning Man to Chicago with quite a sense of of rejuvenation and uh, let's just say energy and that energy was uh, in the realm of wow. I have just experienced a whole bunch of people just like me, everyday people doing uh, exceptional things, exceptionally large art pieces, interactive pieces, performances, uh, musical events, anything. Just this idea that uh, art is not something to be consumed. Art is something that is very much alive and is very much something that is accessible and, and something that is, not, that is accessible to me. And so I came back with this sense of freedom to express that, and I didn't really know what I was gonna put my energy into. I have a, I'm a pretty high energy person, and I knew I wanted to do something, and um, a, along my, uh, into my inbox one day, from a friend comes this, uh, this link to an event in New York, uh, which is a, uh, called the Rod. and I said, what is that? That sounds interesting, and uh, so New York is doing a, let's call it a um, underground shopping cart race bar crawl, and we and I thought, wow, that is a really good idea. And I did a little more research and it turns out that San Francisco, uh no no surprise there, right, <laughs> had kind of pioneered the er, you know, the shopping cart race bar crawl concept uh years before that, maybe in the mid nineties, and you know, a whimsical costume bar crawl. And then New York had started doing it and they were doing it for a few years in the early aughts. And but I noticed that that they were they had this problem and and it looks like they were not only like running from bar to bar, but maybe running away from the police. And I thought, well, (laughs) and I thought, well, um, that part doesn't sound so fun to me. So how can we, this is a great idea though. Let's take this idea. um, And I I, I emailed them and I said, Hey, I love your idea. Can I borrow heavily from your website? And they said, run with it and send us pictures. And so we did, but in, in order to, what kind of bring some legitimacy to it in the eyes of say the public and public officials we were the first to kind of pioneer the charitable aspect so we introduced a a food drive we call ourselves probably the world's largest mobile food drive and we thought what better way to kind of uh, give back than to uh, to add this food it fitted really well with the shopping cart concept and so what started out as a you know idea for maybe not going to jail while having some fun quickly turned into the whole point.
0: That's incredible. So how does this actually work? Well, let's go back to Devin and find out.
2: A team is made up of five people, uh, four uh, pullers and, and a musher who runs behind the cart. <laughs> the idea is that uh, initially the first few years, the idea is that every team has to bring a certain poundage of food with them. And we started out you know, pretty modest. Uh, we've since moved up and now teams are required to bring, I think, 69 pounds of food. This is the year.
1: Is that food going in their cart?
2: Yes. So initially, for the first few years, the food was all in the cart and the teams would push the food in their cart along the route about five miles.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> with the event
2: being in in early march in chicago anyone who's been in chicago in early march knows that uh, the weather it could be snow it could be sleet it could be ice uh, we might get a 40 degree day with sun but no one's crossing their fingers you know so there there already is a physical challenge aspect to Diderod and we figured oh what's another few pounds of food being pulled around however <laughs> after a few years we realized that this was kind of a bad idea <laughs> that's that's because the food was getting a little banged up right so we decided to kind of pivot that and begin collecting all the food at the start and when all the teams are bringing their decorated carts and they're they're all in costume and everyone's very feeling very festive they bring all the food with them at the starting line we have our friends and partners at the greater chicago food depository on site with scales and some tents and two two box trucks and what we do is we collect all the food there, and that food gets immediately donated to Greater Chicago Food Depository and into their into their food system.
1: Oh, that's killer. Was the costuming and cart decoration part of the event from the get-go?
2: Absolutely. Uh, it's it, part of its core is a satirical event. So satire kind of ties in with the uh, Alaskan dog sled race with um, up to the north, uh, with which we are not affiliated. And instead of the dogs, we have the humans. And instead of the sleds, we have the shopping carts. And instead of the tundra, we have the frozen streets of Chicago. (laughs) Um, And and so from the very beginning, the idea is that part of the participatory nature of Shai Diderot is that, you know, teams are very much encouraged to come in costume and, and to take that costuming to whatever level that they can. And so that ranges from, you know... Some sort of political satire of the of the year to some you know movie that came out all the way on the other end to Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, uh, fully immersive multiple cart teams who like one year um, our friends over at the Secret Gentleman's Club you know had the Titanic and that was two carts the H M S Tit and the Annik which had both registered and they came together to form an immense cart which at the <laughs> which. We couldn't fit it into our into our starting yard, so we you know parked them on the street. But at the end, you know, the, let's just let's just say that uh, the the Titanic wasn't a fast moving cart. It certainly wasn't trying to win first place. Uh, but but by the but by the end, um, you know, they they had actually scuttled it. So half a of it had cracked in half and fallen over. Ah, right? perfect, <laughs> <laughs> perfect, right? And so and they're of course all in in the regalia of the time, and 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 basically creating immersive environments. And so the costuming portions are very much what part of what creates Shai Dorada is something uh, of a spectacle and something very special is that it's not just costumes, it's immersion. And what we've realized is that through the years we've been able to cultivate uh, uh, like a creative platform for participants to, to take that stage and to create something that they wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to do at a venue that they wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to
0: have. This sounds super creative, like, you know, tits and anic. Come on, (laughs) who comes up with that? (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) The Titanic's a perfect vessel for immersion.
1: That's a good one. (laughs) Thank you. I like how it broke in half.
0: I know. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kim, how did this whole thing come together?
1: Well, there are a lot of moving parts. And there were definitely underlying issues of how to navigate this within the laws of Chicago. Uh
2: It was all very clandestine. um, Ask for forgiveness, not for permission. And and I don't uh, necessarily condone that approach. And but so, when you're getting
1: things off the ground, I mean sometimes there's no other way, otherwise it would just be nothing but red tape
2: uh-huh yeah you you nailed it and and that was and that was uh that was my thinking exactly. the ripple effect of an event that the first year we were able to collect about eight hundred pounds the second year about twenty four hundred and and then it just started skyrocketing from there up to seventy two hundred pounds of food and we realized wow, we're really onto something and and again, it's really hard to say no to an event um that's that's doing a lot of good. And right. I mean, it was really immortalized for me in the words of um, one of the Chicago police sergeants back in 2008, when he looked at me incredulously and said, like, what, what's what is going on here? And I said, this is the year that we went from, uh, I think, 30, 35 teams to 72 teams. It was a very big jump. And uh, we were spilling out uh, onto the throughfare. And um, I said to the sergeant, Sarge. All these people will be gone out of your district in ten minutes. Um, this is for charity. <laughs> and he looked at me and he
5: said, well, you know, you're you're doing a good thing, but you're doing it all wrong.
1: Oh my gosh. So um, hit me with some numbers. Where are you at nowadays with um, poundage of food and money donations?
2: So we've had some really impressive, impressive years, and um, our fundraising has really started to take off. Our participants take all that to just the next level. At, at this juncture, we are cresting upwards. We're almost at 200,000 pounds of food collected since inception. It, it floors me to think about that. And we are, we've are we collected more than $200,000 in donations oh, from uh, p- public donations.
1: Freaking and killer.
2: It, it, it's a shipping cart race, you know. And from here, a few years ago, we began uh, our own grant program. So uh, as stewards of the public's money uh, and in line with our Hunger Fighting mission, we began a grant program called the Rod grant program, that every year we encourage other local Chicago area uh, non profits to apply. A lot of these organizations are very small. Uh, some, are, some are larger, but they're all doing work to fight hunger in Chicago. And since, we've, uh, since inception, we've been doing the program for just a few years now. We have given away more than $150,000 uh, in grant organizations all over the city, on the south side, on the west side, on the north side, on the east side even, downtown in the loop. Where, where, you know, where there's a lot of where there's a lot of money, but there's also a lot of challenges and a lot of hunger and and some of those areas are where, where people get overlooked. So it's been it's been really been an honor to to be able to start out as a very grassroots organization and to come up to a place now where we're able to help be a catalyst for other organizations that are smaller than ours who are trying to help people and who are doing a great job.
0: Good work, guys. That's amazing. So it sounds like quite an action-packed day to get to fit all that stuff in.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a really epically long day for them. But Devin actually does a great job of breaking down how it all plays out.
0: He sets a good scene for us. He does. All right, let's go.
2: Around five thirty six a.m., our first alarms go off about five thirty, and that alarm consists of a curated playlist that I've been building for the last thirteen years. Uh, of Shadidderod music, and um, let's think, Top Gun meets Rocky, right, Uh huh. meets The Final Countdown meets Eye of the Tiger, and they all get together, they all get together, and they write a rock opera. <laughs> so this is the Shadidderod soundtrack, this is what we start out at Shadidderod HQ at our building, so we all pile into the car, we head on over to the yard, the yard is the Shadidderod dog pen. It's where all the teams gather at the starting line to get all amped up. We listen to more music, and then once around 12:30 hits, we send them off. So, that energy in that yard is one of the my most favorite parts of Shahidirad. Uh, everybody there. It doesn't matter what temperature it is. You know, everybody's there. The energy is super contagious. Just people are raring and raring to go, like like nothing else. And then you get up there and you say, you're not gonna get arrested. And it just takes everyone to the next level. <laughs> the start of the race, there's a bunch of uh, fanfare and pageantry and our friends, Environmental Encroachment, one of the greatest Chicago marching bands ever to exist. And they've been with us since year one, they come out and they do uh, a wonderful, a beautiful starting line uh, performance. They have a bunch of their horns out there. They're a fantastic marching band. And they come and they rile everybody up. We uh, We come out there with a bunch of flags. We do a big countdown. The police, uh, our friends, obviously our event now is fully permitted. And so our friends at the Chicago Police Department help us ensure traffic safety as we send everybody off. We count it down to ten, to zero. We wave our flags. We go running down the street with them as 750 costumed racers pour on out of the yard into the street. Everybody runs. And it's, it's like <laughs> chariots of fire in slow motion do 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 yeah and running down the street you have okay look there's an F25 with uh, with all the members of Top Gun oh look there's there's five twinkies <laughs> you, know, you know oh look there's there's some cows oh there's the, there's the first gnome team that registered oh look there's the second gnome team <laughs> that registered oh you know there's there's a team of police officers Uh, who pull over to the police officers who are working and helping us and write them a ticket and give them a donut. You know, it's just, (laughs) I I could go on and on about these, about the teams and the creativity that you see. And one of my favorite parts of this is, is that you get, you know, cars that are stopped, you get um, people who are walking by and who say like, what is happening here? You know, (laughs) As, as Indiana Jones runs by being chased by an enormous boulder. (laughs) <laughs> and and someone will stop and say, it's the Shy rod. And, and the next year, you know what? Those people are racing with us.
0: So are these people serious about the race, or are they just having fun, or are they um, probably, probably a mix of the two, huh?
1: It's really a great question, because the more racers I talk to, the more finding the ones that really care about the time uh-huh. seem like finding a unicorn. Right. But there are some out there, and it is a timed race.
2: We estimate it's Probably 5% or less of our participants who are racing for time. But the folks who are racing for time want it and they want it bad. So over the years, we've built a timing software where teams uh, come and they check in at the checkpoint. The checkpoints have different you know, games and things to participate in. And then after your time is up, you come back and you get your time card and then you run to the next checkpoint and the process repeats right for five checkpoints. And so the teams who are wanting to to win first place, the first thing to note is that they will arrive first at Shididerot, which means they're there the earliest, which means they're potentially there the longest there and are the coldest. <laughs> <laughs> this is even more funny when the team happens to be five Richard Simmons. While their heads are, I'm sure, very warm because of the giant afros, those shorts are <laughs> quite short. <laughs> and, and so a lot of times their carts will be simpler uh, because they would want less weight. One of the ways in which teams who are attempting to win first place can kind of outmaneuver the other teams is through sabotage. Sabotage is, is its whole, all, in and of itself a whole conversation because we have a very specific type of sabotage that we like uh, where teams are kind of creatively attempting to thwart other teams like years back, inserting a fake route map into the stack of route maps and having a team run like to come, some other bar completely far away and saying, like, wait a minute, what happened? Or uh, another way is um, by bribery. And by bribery, I'm talking about creative bribes to the checkpoint uh, time time scores to let that team out a few seconds early. We've put controls on this where a checkpoint is able to allow a team to maybe leave 20 seconds, 30 seconds early, but nothing more than that. And so those bribes might be like delicious homemade goodies that are in line and in theme with the team, right? And so teams could maybe shave off 10 seconds or 20 seconds. And it's amazing how fast the teams that want to be first are are there. Sometimes we're like, wait a minute, how is this team already here? And a lot of times it's, they're just that fast. However, <laughs> other times going back a few years, we realized that some teams were up to some pretty serious shenanigans. They had not only won, they had won for time, but they had won for time so Outrageously fast. It was bordering on impossible, and we realized that we, as, as Shaiditirat, had been sabotaged. <laughs> and so, when we realized that, we actually just sensationalized it even more. We called it DittaGate two thousand and eight. <laughs> it was this giant scandal, but not really. But uh, what what it was was the team was called Killjoy Team Killjoy, and uh, and they were they were an infamous team who participated year after year until eventually they got bored of winning so much that they joined the the co-organizers for a new (laughs) challenge and what they had done which was quite brilliant is they had dressed in all white hazmat suits simple hazmat suits and they had um orange ski masks on and uh some of them had orange ski masks some of them had black ski masks and and, and what they did was they, they had a shadow team that was exactly dressed exactly the same that we didn't know about, of course. So as soon as the, the team left the starting line, a minute later, the other team showed up at the first checkpoint.
1: Genius, evil genius. Evil genius,
2: yes. And, and they repeated that process until they had completely won. And we realized later, like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so to loop back in on and how does it look for, for teams who really want to win, um, it's cutthroat. And sometimes involves a lot of bribery, cheating, and sabotage. (laughs) I like
1: it. And so what are they competing for? Are there prizes aside from, you know, glory?
2: Ah, Yes. Well, as you know, glory is the number one, the number one reason, right? Um, (laughs) We actually, we have a, we make trophies every year and um, we have different kind of rotating artists. If there are any artists listening who are interested in submitting designs for trophies, we're always interested in that. But every year we have trophies custom made. A lot of times they're made with really great reclaimed metal materials or they're cut out of glass or they're made out of mahogany. Uh, They're just really interesting. And we do about eight of those trophies. And those are the first place trophies in the various categories, like first place in time, most funds raised, best in food drive, best in show, spirit of Shidderod, these are the, the kind of high-level uh, allocates that teams often align themselves with. And then we do a lot of smaller trophies as well, because the amount in which teams put into Shadidarad is uh is really Herculean uh, often. And, and it's really great for us to be able to provide them with a keepsake.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a nutty, crazy, fun day. And if you're going to cheat, do it cleverly. That was brilliant. <laughs> That's my
1: favorite cheat story ever. Yeah, yeah that was good. Gosh, we strongly encourage anyone in the Chicago area to go check it out and consider participating because yeah. these are great people to get hooked up with. So you want to meet some of these nutjobs?
0: Yeah, I want to meet these nutjobs. I they, love nut jobs.
1: They are very, very lovable and they are all in it for a really good cause. All right. My name is Amy Bashidi. I've been a competitor
4: with Shididerod since 2006. This year will be my 11th year competing. Hi, my name is Liz Lux. I have been a competitor since the second year of Shy Diderod, which would be 2007, and have not stopped since. Our team is called uh, 3GS&T currently. Um, Previously, we referred to it as three girls, a stash and a tail, because one of us would always be an animal with a tail, and one of us would always wear a mustache. We've been an all-female team for maybe the past seven years at least, possibly a little longer.
1: Well, let's talk about that first year then. How did you hear about it?
4: I actually raced with a, a guy friend of mine who was trying to start his own um, his own website that would identify where uh, drink specials in Chicago were happening on any given day. And he decided that would be a good way to promote his website. So we borrowed a shopping cart and showed up at the Pontiac Cafe. And immediately, once the race started, took a header and dumped everything out of our cart. Oh!
1: So let's clarify, what does borrow a shopping cart mean? Okay. It, it was a challenge the first few years. Mostly we go to grocery stores, explain the
4: concept to them, tell them at the food drive, and most of them are okay with us borrowing a shopping cart as long as we promise to bring it back.
1: That's very cool. Um, Did you get some strange I'll, looks that first year? Of course.
4: Um, and not the first year, but a subsequent year, my friend with the with the website actually got <laughs> arrested, bringing the shopping cart back. No, and some a police officer saw him and cuffed him and threw him in the back of the car until we managed to straighten the whole thing out. Thankfully, that was one of the years we had talked to the manager who gave us yes. permission. Had unlocked the cart for us and just needed to then explain the craziness to the police.
1: Oh, my gosh. But nobody wants handcuffs. That's just terrible. Of course not. Of course not. (laughs) Liz, how did you get talked into joining?
4: It was a bar crawl that you could also dress up for. And a way to look forward to spending time outside in the
1: winter and break up Chicago doldrums. Yeah, let's talk about the weather. Um, this takes place in March, so that's got to be challenging. The
4: weather varies, but we, we have across Chididerod, we have a line that we all depend on. There's no such thing as bad weather. There are only four wardrobe choices. Has it ever snowed? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a, <laughs> more more frequently what happens is, is the weather will be whatever the weather is but we'll be dealing with piles of snow on the sidewalks and in the
1: streets from it having recently snowed
0: i've been to the pontiac cafe oh, yeah, have. it's a fabulous bar
1: right on there's a lot of fabulous bars in chicago there really are. yeah and they're very very supportive of this event and it incorporates quite a few of the finest
0: Mm-hmm. and i like her point about just there's no bad weather it's just Poor wardrobe choices.
1: I think of that every Halloween, but Uh that's got to go like a (laughs) hundred times for this event. So you want to hear about some of these crazy costumes that 3G, M, and T have created?
0: Yes, I do. You know I do. (laughs) I love the fancy dress. Truth.
1: Our most interactive was a Jeopardy costume where
0: Mm -hmm.
4: each of us was a Jeopardy category that then had movable parts to play the questions for other bracers. Um, My favorite was two years ago we did, um, and I'm totally aging myself here, but um, we did a play on um, Garbage Pail Kids. Do you remember those? (laughs) Sure. And we called ourselves Garbage Cart Dogs and we made our cart into a flaming dumpster and we were each (laughs) different characters that were plays on our names.
1: Five miles is a really long time. What do you guys do to get yourselves through the stretches where maybe there aren't as many people cheering you on? We bring snacks. And we also drink a lot of beer.
4: Perfect. And also, um, our route takes us past an old police station. And so (laughs) we've built in photo stops for ourselves. And so we always take a group photo underneath the Chicago police sign. We try to take a photo underneath the train tracks, or if we can catch mm-hmm. a train going by, we'll take photos of us waving at the train going by. Yeah. We do a lot of, when passers-by see us and they do, they do a double take, we'll be like, Happy Shididerod Day! And <laughs> I stop and explain to them what we're doing sometimes, because we don't care if we went or not. I've definitely had friends tell me that they'd never heard of Shididerod, but they were having brunch in a place on Chicago Avenue, and they spotted us running by, and they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> people in wacky costumes running by with a shopping cart on a Saturday
0: morning. That's a long run. It's amazing, yeah. isn't it? Pushing or pulling a cart. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I brought that up a couple of times with some people because that just, it seems unnecessary. Right, today. right. Like, why five miles? That is so long uh-huh. for something that is so epic and grand <laughs> as it is. Right. Five
0: miles. And I guess they're not... Like the, the, this team is not trying to win, so they're not running the whole thing. They're probably they're stopping and taking photos. Absolutely, they're,
1: and it's a bar crawl, so, so you're stopping, yeah, at, you're stopping bars at bars okay. and enjoying yourself for a little while. And okay, some of the bars have performances and uh-huh. have music, and it, some of the bars take on their own themes. It's definitely like a full day of. Action-packed community fun.
0: Okay, I can do five miles of that.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So, such a
0: creative event.
1: It's so creative, and you know, their creativity actually extends into their choices for sabotage.
0: Very nice.
1: We're encouraged
4: to sabotage other teams' carts, but the sabotage has to be funny. Or, you know, we can duct tape another cart's wheels, for example, <laughs> so that they can't roll but we can't use a bike lock to lock it to a tree or something.
1: (laughs) There's levels. Creativity, yeah.
4: Creativity is rewarded. And since it is a food race, sabotaging with food or anything else that, you know, if you would dump flour on someone is completely discouraged and would Mm -hmm. disqualify you because Mm -hmm. you don't want to go about wasting food if that's the antithesis of what the cause is about. Right. And we also can't use anything for sabotage that creates garbage. We, we have a strict policy of no matter out of place. So we don't litter. We don't leave garbage or carts or food or anything on the street where we're running.
1: Very cool. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit about the charity aspect and how you guys feel connected to that? Yeah, it's the reason I'm still doing this for <laughs> yeah, three sure. years, truthfully. If
4: It was just an excuse to get together and drink and do a bar crawl. I probably would have... I mean, we would have done done it two or three times and then been been done, but we keep coming back. They've Uh, come so far with how much money they raise and then distribute it to various other organizations. Each team is required to donate, um, I think it's usually 69 pounds of food per team to the Greater Chicago Food Depository. But then you can also fundraise and last year, all the teams together raised over $50,000. Our team and the next highest fundraising team raised, what, $21,000 between the
1: two of us? Yeah. Holy moly. What suggestions do you have if anyone's ever new to fundraising? How do you you get that money? (laughs) Bother people. Bother people. (laughs) And think of creative ways. Like We have
4: um, a group of people who not all of them live in the city anymore, and so they have created a contest for February. Well, they'll come up with some crazy photo tagging rules that anyone who posts these photos and tags our team will on count Facebook. towards dollars that they'll donate. Yeah, and so and then, then this, so group of, this group of guys will then match whatever points we get and donate to us. Oh, one of the prizes for fundraising... Is access to a VIP porta potty. Sweet. So, it's only applicable in the yard, but it right. definitely is what encouraged us to. It might have been one of the main encouraging factors to start increasing our fundraising. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I think <laughs> it was. Awesome. And and you know they have there's an attendant and they'll they'll have like scented candles and nice toilet paper and you know they the first heater, year actually uh, yeah a heater or so I mean the first year they were actually giving out uh
1: schnapps when you came out of the bathroom but then they stopped doing that all right so those girls know the score they got it together
0: right they've done it they know they know what's going on
1: yeah and they know the right prizes to fight for
0: right <laughs> <laughs> they have their priorities correct
1: that's right but um i did get a chance to talk to a lot of awesome competitors truthfully i could have talked to more than i even did um there's just so many people that are involved with this that are passionate right amazing and really wanting to share. And awesome. one of them, his name is Jeff. He's coming up next. He and his team Action Squad, they are borderline legend.
3: So my name is Jeff Dezaki. Uh I've been with Shader or at least associated with it and working on it uh, since 2006. I was with the team Action Squad. I have raced officially probably um, I think 11 or 12 of the 13 years. I can't remember. And now at this point, I kind of come in and out year one in order to find out about that way back then. You just had to read it on blogs. My friend Dave stumbled on it. He was at my house the weekend before. And he says, Hey, do you have any interest in doing this? Like shopping cart race? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That's all I knew about it. And on day one, my favorite though, here we are, right. Like, we're all kind of like knowing about not knowing what happens. And, This guy kind of dressed as like a a shriner, but with a leopard print hat, gets on top of this ladder and he gets on his megaphone. And the first thing he says is, good news, we're not going to get arrested. I'm like, that was an option for today? Like, what? Who knew that was on the table? Yeah, yeah. So and then it's evolved into something far grander than that.
1: That had to be Devin up yeah, there on yeah. that ladder. And who wouldn't want to celebrate the fact they're not getting arrested?
0: I do that most every day.
1: <laughs> All right. Are you ready to hear some of these amazing carts that Jeff and his team have put together? Yes, ma'am. You will soon understand why they are legend.
3: My personal favorite, uh, mostly for nostalgia, was the giant adat from um, you know, The Empire Strikes Back. It was about five and a half feet tall and oh. about seven and a half feet long. Holy moly. Um, it was done to scale from the little snow speeder. So we kinda of ramped it up from there. It was pretty crazy. Um, that was fun because the whole time, you know, you're like this you know, you're living your life as a little kid who always wanted to, you know, have a giant ad ad <laughs> so we did that and of course we it peed as so using air quotes beer, so we, we rigged a mini keg on the inside of it. Oh my god. So gosh. that when you like pull the string it, you know, you had beer out. So yeah it was my personal but then i think what most people remember us for uh is uh the diner we named we a diner um and people remember it working and i'm using air quotes again because this kind of goes back to the whole you know like there's a folklore about us is that we, we did serve food right and so we brought a bunch of food and we were serving burgers and we had a menu But so here's the thing so we had waitresses and we were giving out coffee. Like we brought our own coffee and you we're know, <laughs> serving it, but we ran out. So then the, the Shiditarad serves breakfast they started filling up the waitresses' p- coffee pots, and then our waitresses <laughs> were going around filling up people's coffee. So we were serving them food of the Shiditarod. So, again, people thought we had hot food all the time. Was, people thought we had a working grill.
1: That's awesome. So um, it's varied when I've talked to uh, racers whether or not they care about the timing of the actual race. Are you guys a team that focuses on
3: that? <laughs> No, that was one of the things. We never cared. It was year one. I think we, we legitimately raced it. Like, we ran to win it. Because we didn't know any better, right? We thought that was, like, the thing to do. You, you, you ran to win. And I remember us just, like, busting our ass. And we got, like, 10th or something out of, like, 20. So. And we're like, this sucks. Screw this. So, we ever since year one, we just focused on the costuming. Right. With like this idea of like, it was always then at really after year one of like, we need to win best in show. Like, that's what everyone cares about. Right. We need to be the best because that's what people remember. They remembered the best, in, like, what was the coolest looking car. Right. They remember those things. No remembers who won the race in right? time wise. Like, <laughs> who cares? Like, slow hand clap. Big deal. Right.
0: Jeff had me at that nap. <laughs> listeners
1: if you could have seen ted's face <laughs> yeah yeah
0: I, I just lit up and i giggled that is the approach i think i would take with this i'd like want to make some cool stuff you know make space things yeah make somebody's day by looking really really cool right i, I lied earlier when i said i didn't have any more questions <laughs> i do you have a are question always always a lot more questions to yeah. to do. thank you, Kim you got? the important part of this is the bar part
1: <laughs> it is an important part. An important part. Yes. That's right. I, I, sorry. Yes. I said not that the, but it is a very important part, and we haven't really elaborated on that. They call it the pit stops. Okay. Yep. It is it is officially a bar crawl. So um, Jeff did a really good job of elaborating on what those pit stops are like.
0: Let's go.
3: So they all vary, right? And they vary based on just... <sighs> either the experience of like those running the pit stops or just like their you know the enthusiasm of those people running the pit stops. So the pit stops, you you kind of they're a bar, right? And you and over the years, right, the bars now have learned to kind of accommodate what's going on, right? And it it is the it's a pretty bizarre scene. The best way to describe it, it's like a Star Wars Cantina. <laughs> it, you just walk in and then there's like There's clowns, there's bumblebees, there's people dressed up, you know, like as circus performers, or, you know, you got somebody through a night, you've got just, I don't know, women who are like the Big Lebowski, like the bowler women in that movie. I mean, it's just, it's a bizarre scene, people in gorilla costumes or whatever, and then you, and everyone's just kind of milling about, right, drinking and cheering and, so you're supposed to come in right and you you drop your card off and one person goes in to check-in right mm-hmm. and the check-in process is now have gotten very well organized right back in the day it was a bit of like a bit of chaos right people just had like you know writing stuff down on a piece of paper now there's a computer it's all like wi-fi connected to the other one so everyone's knowing what's going on they can communicate with one another so it's you kind of come in you check in and then you, you've got I think it's like 20 minutes is the pit stop time to mill about right um you know that's where you can kind of water your dogs as they like to say <laughs> uh some of the some of the pit stops will have some events you know some goofy little prizes oh, fine. so it's yeah so you just go to bar to bar and then some teams you know mill about longer than others or we were always kind of you know, about on time. A lot of my friends would come and they just made a day of it, right? Where they would just go from bar to bar and kind of follow us, if you will. That's awesome. And we know how to, we we talk about it as like this, Drinking for Diderot. We're like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And every year in Diderot, every year, there's always somebody, right, who just go, drinks a little too much. And everyone has that year, right? Like, I, you know, mine was the year of the dragon. It was like, oh, boy, I'll never drink that much. The year of the dragon. That's how we remember it, right? And somebody would be like, oh, my God, the diner year. Oh, my God. Like, and even the organizers, I forgot what year it was. I think, you know, organizer of Devon, he, he had a year too, where everyone just has that year where you just kind of get a drink a little too much. I will say too, you know, Ride is a thing where you, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Um, I made a lot of great friends, sure Shadidharad. I've had a lot of great experiences. Um, I, I think for me too, one thing was, I never thought it would happen was that I'd meet people. Right. And then a lot of these people had changed my perspective on just just general life things. Right. Because they're very different from myself. And it really did open the door, uh, or open my eyes, better way to say it, right, to just other, just other views, right? And I think it's, which I never had planned on doing, like you was thinking about doing this goofy event. Um, but it can be so much more than that. And I've made a lot of
0: great friends over the years. That's that community piece we love so much. It is. And I
1: love that this community in particular has exposed each other to people they probably wouldn't have met in any other walk of their life.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't run into Indiana Jones a lot. No. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Maybe you do. I've been chased by a boulder before, right. but no Indiana Jones.
1: <laughs> well, a couple more competitors for us to meet. All right. This is Majorio. Majorio has not been at it that long, but he has a lot of passion for this event.
0: And he has a fantastic name. He does. Fair enough.
5: Well, uh, my name is Majorio De Mario Pope. And uh, to my competition, if you will, I am basically a jester. I am there to uh, hopefully just keep the crowd going and uh, make a fool of myself and keep the spirit as I did around alive. In my capacity as a racer, I tend to take on different, I would say a persona, if you will. That's pretty flamboyant. Like in our first year, I was our, on my team, I was um, the ringmaster. So, you know, my job was to basically, you know, grab everybody's attention to bring it to our squad's uh, overall concept. And then last year, I was the art gallery curator. So my job was to, once again, get everybody's attention and bring it to our squad presentation of live art, if you will.
1: That is so fun. What is the name of your team? Yeah, that's um,
5: (laughs) that's something that we're working on. We have been told (laughs) by many teams that we need a name. As of right now, I guess we're the team that shall not be named because we actually don't have a team name just yet. And we have so many great names that are around us from... You know, shy vengers to the Shittiots to, um, you know, the other teams whose names I can't remember at this moment. But I mean, we need something, but it's just hard trying to label oneself.
1: Yeah, it sounds like the pressure is <laughs> getting to you.
5: It, it is, you know, being millennials and all. You know, that is just taxing.
0: <laughs> so, how do you determine if you're a squad or a crew? Oh, good question. Mm-hmm. Rochambeau people. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody send us an email. When are you a squad? When are you a crew? When are you a group? Posse? Ooh. Yeah. Flock. Po- all right. There's our next Facebook poll. All right. All right. So you're going to see some squads and crews and flocks. And, and posse And posses all up in the yard.
5: It is the most intrinsic melting pot of creativity and fun that you can ever experience because you have all of these concepts in this wall by wall square and everything is just encompassed and everyone is so passionate about their ideas and concepts and also friendly, like we're all competitors, but at the same token, we're all here for a good cause and we all appreciate the art that goes into getting this cause noticed. The piece of the resistance though of the yard is when the band, and I don't know the name of this band, but every year they have this band come in and they just go ham. And it's, you know, they've got the drummers, the, the, the horns, everything just going and just getting everybody riled up right before the race gets ready to start. So that we're just super hyped when we burst out those gates, you know, at breakneck speed.
0: I don't hear the term go ham that much
1: <laughs> <Me> <laughs> either. But that is the second props for this band
0: Environmental Encroachment.
1: They seem like a Chicago staple. We have something similar here in Atlanta. A band called Wasted Potential. They're our favorite local brass band. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think both of these bands are like very eccentric, colorful. And this guy we're looking at has a funny hat on. You know, so <laughs> they look fun. They look a lot fun. Say no more. Yeah, I mean
1: musically, that's all I need. A funny hat. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm sold. So we've talked a little bit about bribes, right? Right. right. Majario has one of my favorite bribe stories ever.
5: So the bribes, of course, you, you keep them for the judges. And um, you, you got to do a bribe. You know, that's part of the fun is trying to find out different eclectic ways to, you know, woo the judges, you know, favor, if you will. And um, when I went there last year, we were the circus. We were running a little late to the very last pit stop. So we offered a, a group twerk if they would let us pass the uh, final pit stop. We were like a minute behind, and we're like, come on, we got to finish the race here. So we will all collectively, all 10 of us, drop it like it's hot if you'll let us go. This event literally speaks to me on every facet, from charity to creativity to community, is embodied in Shigitarod. And that is the greatest gift that I think this organization has given to Chicago, um, is just that outlet to allow creativity and charity really just mesh as one.
0: I'm still stuck on the twerking part.
1: As you should be. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Collectively drop it like it's
0: hot. (laughs) I wonder what the world record for twerking is. I mean, I don't wonder that much.
1: In what context? Like how many
0: people twerking at once?
1: Okay, gotcha. Right.
0: Not like... The length of time. Or, or the
1: like fastest, fastest. vibration. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> most time Yeah. Exactly. More, most torques per second. Right. <laughs> All right. We'll look it up. We'll get back to
0: you on that. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> I mean, we won't get back to you, but we will look it up. We hope you do the same. So who do we have next? More twerkers?
1: No more twerkers, but our last team to represent for the day, No More Bound.
0: No More Bound. That's right. Nice. There's no place like Gnome. Ah,
1: gnome, Alaska. My name
6: is Lauren Haynes. I'm a competitor with Chai uh from the Gnomeward Bound team. We were second place fundraisers last year and I have competed three times.
7: My name is Alicia Sharkey. I'm also on the Gnomeward Bound team participating in Chai as a competitor. I've participated twice getting ready for our my third time this coming March. So let's start with the
1: name. Who came up with that? It's adorable.
6: I think it was probably one of our teammates, Ryan, or at least a team effort. So the first year that Alicia raced, we were the Flamingos versus the Gnomes. Huh. So I think the other teams will refer to us as the Gnomes. But as it is the Triditerod based off the Iditerod, where it's based around Gnome, Alaska. Um, we decided to go for the pun with no word bound.
7: It's kind of funny that although we're gnome with an N, gnome word bound with an N, we are known as gnome word bound with a G because of the flamingos versus the gnomes.
6: I feel like me and a number of my college friends had known about Chididerod for a while and every year for a few years would be like, oh, we should do it this year. And then we'd be like, It's March 15th. It happened two weeks ago. There's
4: no way we can pull that off.
6: So I have no idea how it ended up on our radar in the first place other than it
1: sounded awesome. Tell me about your costumes from last year and the year before.
7: Alicia, you want to take this one? So two years ago now, we decided to go as the lawn gnomes versus the lawn flamingo. So we had two (laughs) separate parts. I think one of the reasons why I was invited was because Lauren knows that I am very much into costume design. So I had a lot of fun creating the gnome costumes. The flamingos were just a riot with full body body leotards and tutus, very scary face masks (laughs) for some of them. Um, Lauren had some gorgeous eyelashes, a lot of fun. And we did the carts basically as lawn games. So I also made little flamingo heads and gnome hats um, to throw to play essentially a courthole.
6: We do have a beautiful shot that uh, came up recently. Uh, We have a photo of my roommate who's, you know, like six foot five, dressed as a flamingo with this terrifying flamingo mask on, (laughs) running down the street in a, you know, pink bodysuit and a tutu, carrying a flower pot and just like sprinting down the sidewalk. He was across the street from us, but
7: it's just him and this brick wall. Beautiful. <laughs> um, then this past year, we um, continued with a the two-cart theme, again, with 10 of us participating. And this time we went as cereal box mascots, with 10 of us doing that. So we had quite a few different ones. Um, we had Snap, Crabble, Pop. I went as the Raisin Brand son, which was ridiculous <laughs> and a lot of fun. We had Toucan Sam, Tony the Tiger, uh, Captain Crunch. You name it, we were there.
1: Oh, my god. God, that's such a great idea. You said you have a little bit of a background or just a passion for costuming?
7: Um, it's a passion. And I, I suppose at this point, it's a background since I've been uh, making multiple Halloween costumes every year for many, many, many years now. But both my mother and grandmother have a background in sewing. My grandmother was a seamstress. My mother owns the manufacturing companies. It's, it's just something that's always been in my family and something that just seems perfectly normal to spend, <laughs> you know, all night the night before a race. Uh, up until 1 a.m. finishing
0: costumes. Costuming sounds quite intense. Yeah. Like a lot of work goes into it. Yeah. yeah
1: that's great, though. One of my favorite aspects of their gnome versus flamingo costume. That's the
0: oldest ba- battle in history. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> With every lawn in America. Uh-huh. <laughs> I
1: love the idea of making the carts into moving games that you can play like right. playing cornhole as you're racing down the street dressed like a flamingo or dressed like a gnome <laughs> with nine of your best friends raising money for charity i mean come on i've never
0: done that i mean you no, should i should that sounds sure. like a dang good time uh-huh. <laughs> Dang good
1: time. but these uh no more bound folks also have it down when it comes to fundraising they killed it last year
7: we had a lot of luck with that and so i think that's something that was maybe even a little bit unexpected for us. The the year before, so when we were the flamingo versus the gnomes, we found a lot of success in fundraising just as the competition between the gnomes and flamingos. Our extended friend groups, families really got involved in, you know, cheering on one or the other or both, trying to sabotage the other <laughs> team, etc. And we found ourselves accidentally on the radar of, you know, the more long term contestants who, you know, have year over year raised incredible amounts of of money, right? So this was something new and exciting. And last year, we didn't think we could possibly top that. But And Lauren, maybe you want to jump in and talk a little bit more, but we were able to raise even more last year. It's pretty incredible and found ourselves coming in second place with fundraising, which we're so grateful for everyone who who made donations. It was truly incredible.
6: Yeah, it was uh, pretty crazy. We ended up with like an $800 anonymous donation at one point that we still don't know who gave us. And so it's a good Cause right, people are excited, but also like a good friendly rivalry goes a long way. So, I, I think after the first year that we were fundraising, we did what five thousand seven thousand dollars between the two teams. Alicia, do you remember that? first Yeah, year? I think closer
7: to five that year,
6: and I know some of the other teams were like. Oh, this was your first year really fundraising. Good luck even matching that next year. Like you'll have like tapped out your people. So it was really a race. Like we got down to, so like race day, you're still sort of fundraising. We're like posting pictures of us running around in these crazy, you know, cereal costumes. And like our carts (laughs) were decorated like a giant cereal bowl. And like the other one was decorated as a cereal box. So we were Chidideros and you know, like we looked really cool. We had a lot of good content to put out on the internet. And um, we were only like, I think $250 behind first place. And honestly, we gave up at one point. We're like, we've been drinking and running and right. you know, looking at other people's costumes all day. And we were just like in the bar being like, okay, let's just have fun now. Like, okay, somebody probably could just whip out a credit card and donate the last two hundred fifty dollars, but like we don't actually know when this ends and like we raised over ten thousand dollars. I think we can stop now.
1: That is epic. Absolutely. Ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah.
7: We even had a donation from our Lyft driver who drove us down. Oh to my the gosh. Event. I know. I mean I think the thing is like you know, I mean, just random people in the streets see it, um, you, you know, you tell them what's going on and, and they get really, I mean, it's just a beautiful thing, right? And there, people are just happy to, to donate and be a part of it somehow.
0: That is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that's some fundraising right there. I mean, 10000 thousand that's that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, considering
1: how many teams are mm-hmm. doing this, they are raising so much money for such A good cause and a variety of micro causes in there, too. Right. right.
0: Good work, everybody. So, of course, this does sound like a lot of fun, but it's got to be also really taxing and like a lot of hard work.
1: I mean, it's long. So I had to ask them, how do you get through this?
7: (laughs) A lack of sleep and caffeine. (laughs) Um. Two years ago, I ran a half marathon in San Diego the following week, so I just considered it my last big run before the race. Yeah, but there definitely gets a moment, and Lauren, I think you probably have stories about this too, where you're just tired. Maybe it would be nice to just sit on the cart for a little while and let someone else push.
6: (laughs) There was one point that I don't know if it was sabotage or just people being tired, but certainly when we were. Flamingos versus gnomes. There were several gnomes jumping on the flamingo cart to have a little ride along. But I know, like, compared to Alicia, I do not run marathons. I barely (laughs) move. And, um, like, it was definitely one of those things that the first year I was like, oh, no, okay, I'm racing with, like, four of my guy friends. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up. And like two of them were like already slowing down to a walk while I was still oh. like, okay, I can keep jogging. But yeah, it's a long day. You look you look pretty miserable by the end of the day as you're coming across the finish line. You're just like, are we going to make
5: it? I don't know.
0: I bet, man. Drinking, running, pushing carts, playing cornhole. I mean, it takes a lot out of you. We have this huge community built around shopping carts. That's pretty amazing.
1: When you break it down that and, way, yeah, it really is. All right, all right.
0: Sure, they're artistic shopping carts that deliver food to a whole city, but you know,
1: Still shopping carts. Still shopping
0: carts. Yeah. All
1: right. Let's let No More Bound give us one more take on how much this
0: community means to them. Take us, gnome.
6: I think it's been awesome. Like a, a few years in, we've now gotten to be friends with a number of other racers, and that's been awesome. Like people are just so creative and so charitable, and just like really interesting people who do really interesting things when they're not in this race.
7: And I would add to that, just you know, my my compliments really to the event itself. Um, it's so well organized. The the volunteers who who run it, everyone who helps out, they have it's it's absolutely incredible. And I think what's really beautiful about it is anyone who who sees it, right, just just wants to help out and be a part. Leaving the gate last year, all of a sudden, I heard Alisha, Alicia, It's like, how do you even recognize me?
0: <laughs> Literally,
7: no part of my body is visible. You know, just. Even his acquaintances going out to support because it is such a cool event. So it's pretty
0: wonderful. This sounds like an absolutely incredible event.
7: Yep,
1: yeah. 100%. Team Rochambeau is on board. Yep. And if you guys are in the Chicago area, please consider participating. Registration is now open.
0: Where can people register, Ted? They can register at org. That's C H I D I T A R O D org, And even if you're not in the area, you can go donate on, the, on their page. Yes. Yeah. A
1: couple of the race teams that we've talked to have sent us links to their fundraising pages. So okay. go to RoChambeauPodcast.com. Check out the episode page for the Shy Diderod, And you'll find some links to some of our interviewees. Fundraising
0: efforts and so many pictures.
1: Oh my gosh. So many pictures. Thank you Everyone that we talked to for being so generous with your pictures and thank you for talking to us Thank you Devin and Jeff and majorio and Amy and Liz and Lauren and Alicia and Anyone else that wrote in that wanted to chat that we didn't get a chance to get to thank you so much for your passion and spirit
0: around this event also Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Should we tell him about the thing? Oh yes. So I was looking on the internet to see if there was the world's funniest laugh. No, world's best laugh? Laugh
1: competition. Yeah. Yes, we talked about this yeah. once and we found out that once upon a time there was There
0: was. But there is no more. Right. So you know what, Kim? We're gonna put one on. Yes. Yes. How? I don't know yet, but we're going to do it. (laughs) I'm thinking something like we have people send in an audio clip or video clip and we find some judges. I don't know who they're going to be.
1: I am super, super excited. Our first Rochambeau competition on a global scale where any of our listeners can participate.
0: Right. Absolutely awesome. We all know somebody who has an incredible laugh. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple people in mind and I want them... I'm not going to be a judge because I'd be biased, right.
1: but neither one of us yeah, should really.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> but people check out Rochambeau.com for more information.
1: I don't think that's our website.
0: Check out Rochambeau for more information. That is our website. Um, <laughs> 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 or we're on Facebook and Instagram and we'll have more updates coming as soon as we invent them
1: fantastic thank you cadillac jones for lending us your music to use on this podcast we appreciate you guys immensely
0: it was great to see some members of them play the uh play here recently so keep it up guys you rock
1: so next time on rochambeau
0: worms
1: worms it's it's also charming that's all i get oh yeah
0: yeah. i think Uh, i see where you're going yeah there you go
1: all right till next time people goodbye